This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. This week, we look back at a revitalized South Africa who have found their inner fighting spirit and have put on quite a performance in the second test match against the Black Cats. Finally, we look at perennial 1-1 specialist Manchester United and the champions of Europe on the European adventures. Hello and welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host, Shivang Dubey, and with me today, I have a very own resident cricket expert, Sid Bhala. Hey, guys. Our next guest needs no introduction. He seems to have a thing for the colors red and black. To my knowledge, there may not be a sports team that he supports that doesn't have those two colors in their kits. Gurpreet Rana. Hey, everyone. Shivank, the black caps. Well, they have black in their kit. <laughs> next up, someone who actually supports a team in blue. We have Ali Milwala. Hey guys, there's actually a couple, um, weirdly. There's also, we did better this weekend. We won one score. I don't know if it was for the better, but it was at least not one one. <laughs> Ali, all I'll say is it's the wrong shade of blue that your team, that your football team supports. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, somebody is missing from my show today, and that's Bhavesh Malani. Now, there are two possible reasons as to why he's missing. Either I didn't like the eight jokes he was making about me in the last episode too much and I've edited him out completely. <laughs> or he's trying to figure out if Harry Maguire is more useful than a, than a couple of sticks in defense. Oh. Either way, I hope he's back oh. in the next episode with some insights into what went wrong in the week that's been. All banter aside, guys, uh, with the situation of the world right now and how things are in Ukraine, it doesn't feel very much okay talking about sports right now because sports seems to have taken a back seat. And seeing the gestures from all the teams around the world standing in solidarity with Ukraine, us at the Back Pass also stand in solidarity with the people of Ukraine and wish them well in these trying times. Yeah, so... Look, to what you said, uh, Shivank, about the Ukraine situation, I'll I'll just sum it up by saying war never solves a problem. You know, it is the problem. Um, You know, at the end of it, the governments will shake hands, they will come to a resolution, but the families lost, the lives lost, someone's father, someone's mother, someone's son, they will never come back. So I think if anything COVID should have taught us a lesson, we need to live together as a human race and think about world peace, not war. And additional to that as well, um, just wanted to, you know, it's, it's been a tough time in New Zealand as well um, with the, two, the passing of two amazing great wingers and rugby players. I think they were a huge influence on the rugby community. They, um, uh, Joe Alivaderi in particular, had a huge influence on me um, growing up. He captured an entire city, famous Give Me Hope, Joe Ali song, which was um, pretty much banging all around the country. Um, you know, Inga the Winger was definitely, he set, he set the mold for, um, for a lot of, lot of big names and set the mold for what all black wingers should look like, really, and what they do. So um, two really big, big, big personalities and players um, to have lost as well in this week. Very well said, guys. Very well said. 
on to lighter things. Let's talk about the test match that's going on in Christchurch between the Black Caps and the Proteas. I'll be honest, after the first test match, everyone on this show was asking for the real South Africa to show up um, with the performances they had against India and the performance they had against the Black Caps in the first test. We weren't sure which one was the real version of South Africa. And to be honest, after seeing them on day one, two, and three of this test match, I'm still not sure which is the right version of South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, the same also goes for the Black Caps. So I will ask both teams the same question. Will the real South Africa and the real Black Caps please stand up? Please stand up. But no, what a test match this has been, guys. Like, honestly, action from the first ball. Yeah, it's it's it, it really has been outstanding, um, Shavank. It shouldn't come as a surprise when when we knew South Africa was coming over. One of the things we expected was was that fighting spirit. South Africa showed that when India were there, and I think what they've done in the second Test matches, it's it's more of the same. I, I was expecting us to to canter home basically. But I think South Africa, it, particularly the fight that they showed first session, between the first and second sessions yesterday, where we we basically had them eight for 302. And I think if at that point we'd rolled them for 305, 306, we would have had a lot of momentum going into our innings. But the fight that they showed um, for that eighth wicket, that, that partnership alone between Marco Janssen and, um, and um, Keshav Maharaj, that was bigger than any single partnership that they had in that first test match. That's South Africa's improvement mm-hmm. in, the, in the space of a week. Yeah. Um, so I'll just put it this way. Normally I compare other sports with cricket. I'm going to c- compare cricket with something else this time. <laughs> this is this this was this was a boxing match or this was uh, a street fight, right? So when South Africa uh, played India, it was a street fight of a test series. Who wants to actually have the upper hand? It went right down to the wire. What happens sometimes is when you come out of a test series with such a fighting, you know, test series, sometimes you sort of lose the momentum at the beginning of a of a test series in a new country. Just because mm-hmm. you've you you you've given your two hundred percent, you know, trying to win the series, which they did eventually. Mm-hmm. New place, new conditions. You know, still had that hangover of you know bouncy South African tracks, and you know we don't need to pitch it up. We're gonna bounce out the Kiwis. Didn't happen. Lo- lost the test, and then realized after losing the first round, hold on, that's not how we play. We've got a different <laughs> style of playing, right? So we're going to get up. As Shivang said, the real South Africa stood up on day one for most part, lost it in the middle, and then come the final round, you know, gave some knockout punches again. And then same with the bowling. Again today, it's it's the matches right in the balance. And as I said earlier, 52-48 to South Africa. Now the thing is, who falls first in this test match? Not who actually stands, mm-hmm. who falls first. That's what's going to define this test match. I mean, like, you know what? It, I actually thought um, South Africa just thought it was a warm-up game, the first test. <laughs> they clearly yeah. played it like it. All wrapped up in three days. They were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go start, let's start the test series now. We've got that. We've got, we've got it out of our system. Um, what actually surprised me a lot was the, um, the, 
it, it was just minor tweaks in technique, right? These are not players who have had to go relearn how to play the front drive again and things like that. It's just minor tweaks. And after you lose a couple of wickets in the first innings, you, before you walk in, you ask your teammate what is happening out there. Mm. And they'll be like, just make this tweak or I did this thing wrong. And that's all you need. And then you're back to being playing your best level again. And it's weird. South Africa just not speak for a whole test. Did they not talk to each other? Did they not say, hey, look, I think, you know, the New Zealand team is bowling good line and length. Maybe we should bowl less bounces. Or, you know, this is what we're struggling with. Um, but they've clearly fixed it for the second test. And then they probably drank some of the wrong Kool-Aid or something in the middle and they forgot about it. And then they started talking to each other again. Did, did anyone talk to Colin de Gronholm before he came out to bat to, to tell him this, this, was a test, this was a test match and not a T20? You know, you know something, about, something about him. His first 50 runs, I hated it. But his next 50 runs, I absolutely loved it. But there's, but there's one thing South Africans have done really well after the first test. They, they got Kiwis thinking we don't need a spinner in the second test because the test match would be done in two and a half days. <laughs> <laughs> right? Playing the long game. Exactly. Exactly. Now we go on to day four and Keshav Maharaj will be very effective tomorrow afternoon and day five. Whereas we don't have a spinner. There you go. <laughs> is the South African team management in the wrong sport? Should they be in poker instead? <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, this this a test match is going to go right down to the river. <laughs> it's going to go right down to the river. <laughs> Agree. As I said, who falls first? That's it. There are going to be some really good knockout punches tomorrow. And whoever falls first goes down. It's a good lead. Once it gets over 250, that's where things start becoming tricky. It's a psychological barrier. Gets to 300, it's it's tough. Hmm. Uh, Sid, on, on, the, on the psychological barrier, the, the only comment I'd like to add to this is one of the things we touched on in the last podcast was our, our betting, New Zealand here, looked fantastic. We all sort of agreed that when we got South Africa out for 95, some of those players in that batting lineup, they didn't have a lot of pressure on them. Mm. When when South Africa put up that huge total this time, relatively huge total, you could see that the pressure was on. Yep. The likes of Blundell, Nichols, even Latham, Conway strangled on the leg side. You, you mentioned the leader 250. I think what that leader 250 plus is going to do is it's going to put some serious pressure on. Yep. I, I think like the reference that uh, that Shavank has made, um, anyone who was raising pre-flop, we're really going to find out how many cards they're holding in the second innings. <laughs> I, it's, it's funny because yesterday I was talking to a mate of mine when Tom Blundell came out to bat. I said, watch out for the wall which comes back in. That's how he's going to get out. Exactly how he got out. Exactly like that. Absolutely. So, yeah. And do we do we bring Matt Henry into the discussion again? <laughs> Matt and Henry now touchable after the first test performance and what he's done in the second test. Uh, I was really hoping Param was on this call because I would have loved to ask him this question. Uh, we'll leave it for another day. I'm sure. I'm sure he'd love to have a chat about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but can I just say, some of the bowling I've seen from New Zealand in this test match has been 
amazing to see. Like the dismissal of Dede Elgar in the first innings and then the yoker that Matt Henry bowled in the second. What a ball. What a ball. Absolutely, Shivank. Look, let me just say right off the bat, no matter what the result in this test match, Matt Henry's selection does not matter one bit <laughs> because he's carried he's carried the form that he showed in that first test right into the second test match. The guy is absolutely on fire. Mm. Not an ounce of doubt about the fact that he should have been picked. You know, we, you go and figure out who the other 10 players should be, but Matt Henry absolutely in this type of form, even on that first day, um, Sid mentioned how South Africa really dug in and they stood up. Matt Henry was bowling terrific lines. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the best thing is he's actually bowled excellent line and length without any assistance from the pitch. That's even more mm-hmm. important. You know, I can, someone can argue the first test that the pitch was green. You know, that helped him. This was not a green pitch. He had to do the hard yards and he did. Mm, 100%. Um, guys, your predictions for the test match? I'll start with you, Gurpreet. We've seen three days. Where do you see this test match going? I, I feel South Africa will end up getting a total closer to 300. I, I get a feeling it'll be 280-290. And we will get that with an hour to go on the fifth day. How many people are taking Tuesday off? <laughs> or shooting off from work early? Right, Ali. Uh, look, um, I think South Africa post at uh, 250 plus, uh, they get close to 300. They have they have the experience. They have the bo- they should have the bowling powers to close it out on a fourth and fifth day pitch when it's going to start becoming harder to bat on. They should they should capitalize and they should get those wickets. Hmm. So, are you going for a Proteas win? In this I'm case? going for. I, I think so. Well, that's. That's where the mind's telling me. Said. Um, I mean, if it gets close to 280-300, someone needs to do a Rishabh there. Let's just put it this way. <laughs> and and, and for, for me, the pick who can do a Rishabh is Devin Conway. Devin Conway. You know, because he can play that aggressor. Um, Colin de Grandom, I don't know if he can repeat his thing again. But Devin Conway is the man. He stays there, he scores runs, they win. If not, I think it'll be one all on day five. Must be something about keepers who bat left-handed. Oh. <laughs> 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 Talking about no one in particular on this call? <laughs> or two? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Sid, are you, are you favoring a Black Caps win? I don't know, man. I'm sitting 50-50. As I said, it, the first session tomorrow is very important. Um, whoever takes the session takes the game. Simple as that. Takes the game? Yeah. yeah. No, um, I tend to agree. I think a lot will depend on New Zealand's top order and how they capitalize um, on the early bowling because day four and day five, this pitch is going to be very hard to bat on. So yeah. the, the more they get it done, that's yep. what will dictate the outcome of this test match. And with that... We wrap up this conversation on the test match between New Zealand and South Africa and we switch over to a sport which is much shorter in duration, football, and we take a look back at the Champions League. 
So four games were played midweek. There was the UA Villarreal game. And there was, as I like to call it, the perpetual talent factory derby between Benfica and Ajax. I cannot figure out how these two teams produce so much talent year after year despite losing the best players. And it was a good yep. game that ended up in 2 all. Guys, do you have any thoughts on these two matches? Great call, Shavank, about Ajax and Benfica. Two teams that I think get raided every couple of years and completely dismantled, but the, the quality on show in that in that game was was incredible. It was hilarious uh, watching Sebastian Heller score an own goal on one end and then 30 seconds later go down the other end and score um, in, in his own net. Very good game technically, very entertaining. Bit hard to read which way it's going to go with, with away goals now out of the picture. But it, both the games you mentioned, they, they ended as draws. Very hard to get a read on what, mm. what it's going to mean for the second leg, but tantalizingly poised. Yeah. Look, I'm secretly yeah. hoping Ajax get through, and Ajax, I think, have like um, some big wraps again after the rebuild, after losing a few stars as well. So I think Ajax might edge it through. They have some 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 amazing um, Champions League semi-final memories from a few years ago. So hopefully that carries them through. And um, they can see mm. Ten Hag off with the season. Something to be proud of, the achievement in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. wonder where his next destination will so, be after that. I'm pretty sure the, the big teams are already scouting and they're watching Benfica and Ajax. Anytime they make a make deep run in the Champions League means like they're ripe for the picking. So that's managers included. Wouldn't it be <laughs> ironic if we picked off their manager <laughs> just to have him manage us in the Europa League? <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, the, I'm not taking this downgrade. I'd like to stay in the Champions League. Thank you. I'd rather rebuild again with West Ham rejects. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're making a whole lot of friends now, aren't we? <laughs> I think the episode that we've talked about for a while called Explain Yourselves Absolutely. might be recording very soon. But another team that needs to do its own version of Explain Yourselves is Perpetual 1-1, Specialist Man United. Another result, another 1-1. Guys, what gives? It was a really interesting game, Shavank. I mean, it, it almost seemed like Atletico didn't even need to press us that hard. They, they let us have the ball, and then they pressed mm. us a little bit, and we completely panicked. <laughs> that that first half was absolutely atrocious. And, and and what I loved about it was just how honest Ralph was. R- Ralph basically came out and said, we had a game plan, but these guys did an incredibly awful job at executing. And if it wasn't for Anthony Elanga, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be looking at probably our poorest performance of the season. Yeah. Yep. 19-year-old saves United, a 22-year-old is on the score sheet for Atletico. Do you guys feel these two youngsters stole the show? Yeah, a little bit. Um, they played they played really well, and obviously they had some big raps on them as well. So they're definitely showing what they're capable of. Uh, the hope is that in the next leg, we're at home and um, United uh, finish off the job. And we get some of the older guys on, you know, let's, not, let's save the legs on the 19-year-old. Get some of the thirty-seven-year-old on on the score sheet. I I shouldn't really say this because we seem to dig 
a hole and then keep digging further and further. I, but I don't see us playing that badly at Old Trafford. The, the, the crowd is going to be going. I think United, if we get, if we get that early goal, I, I, I think there's a chance we might do this easy. Um, Look, it's the tie's still open, right? 1-1 still gets us to penalties. We can still win it 1-1. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't, I don't need to score more than one goal. <laughs> and this is why I feel scrapping away goals wasn't the smartest idea. Like I said earlier, Shavank, it's, it's really hard to get a without away goals. And I, I think some of it is just conditioning. We're, we're so conditioned to getting that away goal of mm. the first leg being so important. Mm. Now having that suddenly taken away, I, I'm, I'm finding it very hard to get a read off any of these games. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm. I think away goals mm. makes it a very interesting kind of watch. Um, also, it means that now you don't have all these weird permutations. It's like, oh, Atletico scored one, so now United have to score two. Oh, Atletico scored two, so United have to now score three. It's like, nope, you just still have to just get the result and whatever the final number looks like, that's what it is. Except for Lille. Lille have to mm. score five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, now we'll come to Lil at the end. But speaking of reading the results and reading the game, can someone please explain to me how Harry Maguire was reading the state of play when the goal was conceded and why Joao Felix was allowed to be ball side on a cross that he could so easily get to? I mean, did Harry Maguire feel the cross was coming from the other side of the pitch? Uh, look, I thought Paul Scholes, um, Paul Scholes on the um, Paul Scholes on the post-match analysis did a did a really good job of pointing out two things. the The first one was the the run that Fred makes out to to close the the left back who whipped the ball in. Fred actually rushes out and slips over. the The fullback just sidesteps him and whips that ball in. Fantastic ball whipped in, put it in exactly the right space. And, and, and the run from Shaw Felix, in, mm. in, in Harry Maguire's defense, when I, when I first saw it, um, he completely blindsided him, fullback played the ball in the right space, and it was a great leap. I, I think the problem started with Fred making that really unnecessary, that, the, the word that Paul Skulls used was um, really stupid, really stupid pressure, um, and, <laughs> and ended up slipping over. I, I think that kind of that set the... Set the wheels in motion. Harry a bit flat-footed, but look, even if he wasn't flat-footed, I, I don't think he's um, quick enough to have cope with the run. It was a brilliant run, absolutely, mm-hmm. and absolutely. brilliant hit as well. Absolutely. Like taking nothing away from um, neither the cross or Felix himself. So, where do you see the second leg going? Do you do you think United can pull it back? I know, Gurpreet, you've said that um, the crowd will be cheering United mm. on, and it's a home game, so. It definitely yep. works to United's advantage, but can United get anything more than a one-one? They seem to have a knack well, for one-one. At least we'll win it in XG, so that's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We won the stat battle. We're, we're definitely making the top four as far as XG goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I think I actually think there's there is a bit of an upside. Um, we will be stronger at Old Trafford. And even if we're trailing, the the entire stadium is going to lift. It's going to be Champions League night. It is an absolute intense, intense night. Champion, uh, I've been to a group game, a United group game, Champions League night, and this the atmosphere was insane. The this the crowd is on their feet pretty much all ninety minutes chanting. 
um, and screaming and 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 singing songs. It's not going to be quiet. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a let's wait and see what happens. It's going to be a let God and win this. So Ali, can you confirm you've been to more United Champions League knockout games than Lukaku has had touches in the penalty box? <laughs> <laughs> that one might be the VAR judgment. Well, if the VAR is anything like what Man City got this morning against Everton, <laughs> I think Lukaku wins. Shivank, on, on Lukaku, what did you make of that display that, that Chelsea put up against Lille? Um, clinical as always. Fifth straight Champions League win at home with a clean sheet. I think that's another European record for itself. Clinical performance, Thiago Silva. <laughs> the guy's like wine. Um, just gets better with age. You look at him, you can't figure out he's 37 years old. Just like Ronaldo, hardly puts a step wrong. Engolo Kante, find me a better midfielder in this world. Fred? I challenge you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was a short-lived challenge. Why are you guys laughing? (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, uh, we're laughing at how short-lived my question was. It didn't even last five seconds until we found Look, a better midfielder. To Fred's defense, he's not been allowed to fully express himself. I think he's been told to con- do a contained role, and he's been performing the contained role. He can do a lot more, but one of those things definitely isn't passing the ball. So, 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 Ali, you're saying if Fred wanted to, he could be as good as N'Golo Kante, but he's just letting N'Golo Kante run the show. Of course, of course he can. It's just his managers and his coaches have told him just to remain in that contained state and play second fiddle to Pogba and Bruno. Must be a hard position to be in when three of your last coaches have basically <laughs> given you the same set of instructions. Be- better position than poor old Donny, right? <laughs> <laughs> better position than poor old Donny. Uh, I mean, Shivank, in, in all seriousness, though, uh, again, what, what really struck me about the the Chelsea performance was the the clarity of Tuchel's analysis. He pretty much picked the physical approach from Lille. From Lille. It, 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 was, it was amazing how um, upfront he was pre-match. It was almost like he was telling us exactly how Chelsea were going to dismantle them. And that's exactly what you guys did. Surely you must be feeling that you're going to go in for a, another deep run into the competition. I am optimistically confident that we will get to the semi-finals with the way we're playing unless we get a Bayern Munich or a Man City in the Champions League. And even in that case, I don't see us being swept off the pitch. I'd like to put something to you, Shavak. Thomas Tuchel in Paris hmm. against PSG for Chelsea. Wouldn't that be a script? Ooh. We've written a better script in the past. It's called oh. Your City, Your Stadium, Our oh. Cup in 2012. <laughs> I love it. Sounds even love better it. and more yeah, poetic in German. I still remember that game. Um, before the game started, they had massive TIFOs up in Munich. Obviously, German's not a language I'm overly familiar with, but it basically said, Unser Stad, Unser Stadia, Unser Pokal. And when Chelsea won the Champions League, Chelsea actually printed out shirts that said, Ihr Stad, Ihr Stadia. Unser Pokal, which means your city, your stadium, your <laughs> cup. And I think that was the best t-shirt I've ever seen printed by I think printed one by of club. the best t-shirts I have seen worn at Old Trafford 
is um, is a warning. Floor is wet. Might cause John Terry to miss the penalty. Tiny Tears Terry. Uh, hey, be careful or I edit you out as well, just like Bhavesh. <laughs> I'm not a double, I double like Bhavesh. In the send bin for the uh, for the next until the next episode. <laughs> I do yeah. have another question, though, Shivang. With with Chelsea being in such a solid position going into the second leg. Do you think Tuchel brings back Lukaku and try to get him to do something in this team and try to make him feel like he's part of the team? I hope so. And if I'm being honest, what I really want to see in the second leg is a bit of a shakeup of a system and us playing a 3-5-2 instead of a 3-4-3. And the reason I want us to play a 3-5-2 is I want to see Mount as the number 10 with Havertz and Lukaku up top. Because Lukaku preferred playing with Lauturo Martinez at Inter and they had a good chemistry because Lauturo would drop between the lines. He'd be the instigator of the press and everything. And it allowed Lukaku to do what he did best on transitions. It also was the perfect system for Havertz as well when he was at Leverkusen. He was playing off a tall centre-half, sorry, not a centre-half, a centre-forward, taking the knockoffs, um, using his intelligence to occupy the space and everything and score those goals. So... I think the easiest way for us to bring some sort of confidence back into Lukaku's game is to play a system which brings out the best in both him and in Kai Havertz. You could easily replace Kai Havertz with Timo Werner as well, but I don't see Lille playing with a line high enough that brings the best out of Timo Werner in this case. You could also swap Mason Mount with Hakim Ziyech, but I'd rather Mount plays and gets some game time after his injury and also because... I appreciate what he does off the ball, and I think we need that energy uh, in front of our defense. So, yeah, um, I don't think Tuchel's system actually works out well for Lukaku with the three-four-three because he used to he's used to playing more on transitions and stuff using his strength and speed. But the way we play with slow passive build-ups doesn't Just actually on, work on well that. Shivank, do, do you think Reese James in particular? Yeah, and, and and then Ben Chilwell missing has has contributed? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Because you look back at the games up until December and the wingbacks were pushing up. They were having those dangerous crosses. They were playing quick balls behind the back line for Lukaku to chase into. That's basically where we saw the bulk of his goals come from. Um, case in point, the Arsenal game, the first goal he scored was basically Mateo Kovacic being able to have that space in front of him because the wing-backs were so up high, occupying the uh, occupying Arsenal's left-back and right-back and stretching open the defence. And obviously, Pablo Mari not figuring out how to um, play Lukaku. The second goal was Lukaku dragging a defender out of space, allowing Reese James to have time on the ball. So yeah, bringing our two first-choice full-backs in would be a massive, massive help. The, 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 other, the other interesting thing, I think, is... How do how do Chelsea approach the rest of the season? Obviously, City and Liverpool running away. Do you almost from here prioritize the the Champions League over over the league? Uh, 
if we can secure third place um, by having a solid enough um, point difference between us and whoever fourth is, whether that's Arsenal, whether that's United, I think then focusing on the cups is more important because if I'm being honest, there's no way we can chase Liverpool or Man City right now. So I'd rather we lock in third place and focus on the cups and call this off as another successful trophy for the season. So you're not worried about the game tonight? What game tonight? That's already in the bag. <laughs> it's already in the bag. <laughs> so should, should we should we bother asking or getting a prediction for the tie? Shivank with Lille? Lille, I'm going for another clinical 2-0 or 2-1 victory to Chelsea. Uh, and coming back to yeah. the game tonight, look, it's the Carabao Cup final. I mean, the prize money for the tournament is less than oh. what Paul Pogba makes in, oh. her, in a week. So, I mean, we win it, I'll be happy. We don't win it, you won't see me crying or complaining about it too much. I'd rather focus on the big fish. But you do actually bring up a very important question, Gurpreet. Um, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the world of sports over the next couple of weeks. Um, the NRL season starts. The Blues have kicked off their Super Rugby season. The, the cricket's ongoing. We've already spoken about it. The Champions League how, is back how, how on. Did, how did the Blues go over the weekend, Ali? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I heard it was quite I windy. I think it was a cracker start to the season. Like that first, <laughs> that first half, um, that first half performance, the attack, the intensity, RTS, uh, Zan Sultan, like it was just, it was breathtaking. It was just amazing to watch. And look, we didn't get the result in the end. We were leading. And I think we all, everyone just kind of switched off and they were like, nah, the Hurricanes don't have this in the bag and clearly ran out of steam because that attack, attack in the first half and the first 40 minutes was breathless. So positive signs of the season. I think we can take on anyone with that kind of attack and that kind of fluidity. And that that attack is still going to have Borden Barrett step into it. And the defense is going to have Borden Barrett step into it. And he's going to make it better. So you know what? That was a good, R- good R- preseason game for us. to say that. The Blues <laughs> it's completely <quite>. bottled it, <laughs> right, Javank? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I wanted to throw something at the TV. I was just disgusted. I was like, look, Hurricanes, well played, a little too late. You know, you're not going to get there. They, they did it that last minute. I was like, I just wanted to throw something at the TV. I was like, that's ridiculous, guys. Come on, make a damn tackle. And even if, you, even if you're not going to make the tackle, at least force the player out wide. At least make sure he scores in the corner. So that would have given us a chance of them having to convert to win the match. It was. Uh, I'm. I'm just. I'm just trying to picture Ali restraining himself from throwing something at the TV, watching the Blues <laughs> not close that game out, and then waking up a couple of hours later to watch United miss chance after chance after chance after chance against Watford. What is that TV like? <laughs> you know, in the United game, I actually went. You know what? At halftime, I'm going to bed. We've got this. We've, we're playing too well. Our XG is too high. There is no way we don't win this. <laughs> oh god. Um, in terms of in terms of sports coming up this week, though, 
I think um, the New Zealand Warriors trial, uh, Sean Johnson's first mm. game in a Warriors jersey again, um, that's coming up. So it was supposed to be on Saturday. It's been it's now on tomorrow night. It's on Monday night. So that's uh, something to really look forward to. And I think there's a whole build-up now coming for the NRL season. Uh, the cricket test match is finishing up, and that seems like it's going to be a tight one to call as well. So that's actually a test match this time around rather than what happened last, last uh, test match. So yeah, lots of lots of interesting sports mm. on. Kapreet, what are you looking forward to uh, other than another Blues defeat? <laughs> well, we've we've had a lot of uh, red versus blue <laughs> banter on here, guys. Um, there is a big derby over over the weekend coming up. Oof, City versus oof. United. In 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 days gone by, decades gone by, rather. Um, this would have been massive. We'd be talking about it all week. It, it, I, I still, uh, you know, the, the 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 romantic in me would like to believe that we're gonna we're gonna go up there and we're gonna we're gonna sneak a two one and we're gonna completely leave their title charge and tatters reignite our top four <laughs> charge. But I take a one off. A one. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Side of an XG victory. <laughs> yeah, that's the salad on the side. And and. And hopefully by then, um, Pavish has uh, hypnotized <laughs> Harry Maguire into retirement. <laughs> so that's the actual sporting event you're looking forward to. <laughs> that's Pavish's right. Hypnosis. That's right. Nice. Well, that's all we have time for this week on The Back Pass. Thank you very much to all our panelists for your comments and opinions. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The links are in the show notes. Do subscribe if you find our content enjoyable and our self-deprecating banter to be funny. (laughs) And finally, we can't wrap up this episode without paying a huge thank you to Dolby Labs. All throughout our podcast journey, they've been incredibly supportive of our efforts into how we make our podcast sound better. And hey, if you ever wondered how we put this show together while confined to our bedrooms using inexpensive mics... Um, we've written a post about it on Dolby's blog and the link is also in the show notes so go have a read if you're interested and we'll be back next week with more sports analysis and banter right here on the Back Pass.